Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Join with me, please, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Hear these words. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them, the laborers, for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, He saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard and I will will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and, and found others standing around and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers, give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a daily wage. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal with us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The reading of the sacred word. May God add a blessing now to the hearing and to the doing of it. Let's pray. God, in these moments in which we are yielded before you, we we confess that we need you. We need thee every hour. 
most glorious and loving God, we need for you to speak to us because each of us has come into this room with a variety of burdens and expectations and hopes and fears, and all of us confess to you that you are the source of everything that we need. And as we open this word before us, we pray that you, through this, this, this power of your spirit, would open our hearts, that we may be able to hear something from you that changes something in us and makes all the difference. We are listening. Speak. In your name we pray. Amen. There are two judges who are driving home from a get-together and they are speeding at night. They're speeding. And a police officer sees them and pulls them both over at the same time and he issues both of them tickets. Well, as the turn of events unfolds, they each think, well, how interesting would it be if perhaps we both judge one another's cases? So their day in court came and one judge got into the into the bench and put his robe on and took the gavel in his hand and, and called the court to order. The other judge sat in the witness stand and the judge behind the desk said to the judge in the witness stand, how do you plead? And the judge in the witness stand said, I plead guilty. It's true. I was speeding. Very well. Five dollar fine. Boom. Not bad. Not bad at all. So he took his robe off and he took his place into the witness stand and the one who was in the witness stand who had just been judged now puts on the robe and goes behind the bench and it's his turn to judge his partner. He says to him, you've been charged with speeding. How do you plead? The second judge says, guilty. Very well. $50 fine. Boom. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, $50 fine? What? That's not fair. Hang on a minute, I just, I just judged your case and charged you $5. How are you going to charge me $50? And the judge behind the bench said, well, there's too much of this going on. This is the second case today we've had like this. And I just, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's not fair, right? That's not fair. Is the kingdom of God fair. So far for 11 weeks, we've been talking together about these parables of Jesus. Jesus seemed to have one sermon and he preached it again and again and again. And that one sermon is there is a kingdom breaking into this kingdom. It's a reality that is breaking into our reality this new arrangement of God's love and this dominion of God's power and grace is breaking in all over if you have the eyes to see it. It's the kingdom of God. And he taught about it through parables. That's why we're studying these parables. But my question is, in a kingdom like that, there's got to be a set of rules in terms of how that kind of kingdom operates, and there is. But the question remains, is the kingdom fair? Because staring us in the face in this story, in this parable, right out of the pages of the Gospels, Matthew tells us a story that would call into question the fairness of the kingdom that Jesus said is breaking in right now. 
So a landowner decides to hire some workers to work in his vineyard, and he does what you do when you need day laborers. You go down to that intersection. You know the one I'm talking about, right? And they're willing to work. And you pull up and you, 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 you say to them as you drop the tailgate to the truck, I need about 10. You five would be great. Three of you over here and then you two in the back. No, not that one. The other one. Yep. Hop in. Hop in. And they hop in the truck and you go to the vineyard and they go to work. And the text tells us that's exactly what happened. But about three hours later, that's at 6 o'clock in the morning, three hours later, for whatever reason, maybe the vineyard owner decides he wants to get extra work done, or maybe they're falling behind and he needs extra help. But at 9 o'clock a.m., he goes back to the same intersection, and he says, hey, I need a few more. I need six more. You guys here, and then you three over here hop in, hops in the truck, and they take off, and they go to work. The text tells us that he does the same thing at noon, and then at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and then at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, with just one hour before, before knockoff time, one hour before the end of the day, he goes back to the marketplace where the workers seeking work still hang out, and he finds some still standing there. He said, what are you, what are you still doing here, idle all day? I saw you early this morning. You were the one leaning up against the thing, and you had, you, you, why, why are you still here? And they offer a very interesting response. They say to him, because no one has hired us. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. He said, okay, very well. <laughs> Hop in. And with only one hour or less to work in the day, they go about the work. Well, the end of the day comes, 6 o'clock p.m. arrives, and the whistle blows. Boop. Now it's time to pay all the workers. So the owner pulls the truck up, drops the bed or drops the, the tailgate of the truck down, sits on the back, and he holds in his hand a bag of coins, silver coins, each one a denarius equal to a full day's wage, 12 hours of work, this one silver coin. And he has beside him on the tailgate as his legs dangle there, he has a ledger. He's taking note of who he's paying, and he's taking note of how much he pays because Caesar is going to want to know that later. Rome wants to keep an account of these things. And they line up behind him. And first, right behind the tailgate, are those who had shown up at 6 o'clock. And there they are. Man, they are. Man, they've been working. And they are tired, and their faces demonstrate it. They are worn out. They're, their hands are dirty. They're, there's dirt underneath the fingernails. They smell as if they've been working all day, too. They've been out in the field, and there's grape juice stains on their clothes. And they've got a thermos there that's empty now. It was full this morning because on the way they stopped at QT and got Mountain Dew on the way to stand. And they, but it's empty now because they've been working. And man, they've been working hard, 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 hard. And behind them are those who came at the next ship, 9 o'clock. And then 12 o'clock. And then behind them, the 3 o'clock workers. And at the far back of the line, behind the bed of the truck, are those who came about 45 minutes ago. And when it's time to pay, he pulls out his coins and he walks right through them, parting the waves like Moses through the Red Sea. And they divide as he goes to the back. And he passes by those who came at 6. And he passes by the second shift folks at 9 o'clock. He walks right on by the noon workers and the 3 o'clock workers, straight to the very back of those who just barely arrive. They're cleaner. They're not as tired. They still have about half a thermos of Mountain Dew. 
and he pulls out a full day's wage and pays them. Well, so far, that's still kind of good news for those who are at the front of the line, right behind the bed of the truck, because they see this thing happen, and they assume to themselves, they say, whoa, this is going to be okay. Because if they paid them, and they showed up 45 minutes ago, if they, they paid them a, a full day's wage, well, we've been here 12 hours, so let's see you, you carry, and you carry the one, and you drop. We're going to get seriously paid today. The owner comes back through the waves, come back together. He comes to the back of the truck, and he pulls out and pays the first shift workers one denarius. The same pay for working 12 hours as he paid the one who worked an hour. This infuriated them, and rightly so, right? Made them angry. In fact, this was their response. And when they received it, they grumbled. I love that word, grumble. It's kind of onomatopoeia. You kind of hear the, the sound of the grumble in the word itself. They grumbled. They grumbled at the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us? You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Are you serious? And then the landowner has a, a fantastic response. He says, what's your problem? I mean, did we not agree on the pay before you started working? We said, you, I said to you, you want to work? He said, yep. You hopped in. The, I said, how about a denarius, a full day's wage? And you worked a full day and you got a full day's wage. Are we not in agreement over the thing that we contracted with one another? The truth is you're upset not because you've been wronged. You're upset because I have been generous to someone that you don't think has earned it. Yeah. yeah. And then Jesus turns to those who are listening and says, therefore, in this new arrangement that I'm talking about, this kingdom in which things are turned upside down and all of our expectations are like a snow globe that's been shaken and set back down, he says, the last shall be first. And the first shall be last. This new arrangement that Jesus comes proclaiming means that all of our expectations are turned upside down. I was at the gym the other day, got back from Italy and ate way too much food. So out of the guilt of my sin, <laughs> I'm hitting it hard on the treadmill. I'm running, I'm sweating, I'm breathing heavy, I'm just nasty, right? Really trying to make up for all this. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself halfway through the run. I'm running, making some, making some tracks, and I look over, and I see this guy in the gym who's on the floor doing kind of an awkward set of crunches, kind of awkward. The leg lifts are looking a little awkward like he'd never done it before. And so in my arrogance, I'm running. And in my arrogance, I say to myself, bless his heart. <laughs> and I say to myself, oh, he's got a long way to go. So proud of him for starting, for getting going. He's got a long way to go. He's just learning how this thing works. Oh, 
he'll get there, you know. And in my arrogance, I'm feeling pretty confident about where I am and where he is. And then I finish the workout and I'm walking out. And as I'm walking out of the gym, I pass by the elevator. And the elevator opens and this guy has finished his workout too. And he steps out of the elevator with hand crutches. And in that moment, everything had turned upside down. Everything that I thought I had seen now had suddenly all new meaning because suddenly who's the weak one and who's the strong one in that moment? For I, in my weakness, see in his strength something that on the surface doesn't look like strength. And this is the kingdom of God. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. Is this fair? This parable raises all kinds of questions like, is this new arrangement that we're talking about fair? Is the kingdom of God fair? Or maybe the most sinister question of all, is God fair? And maybe the answer to the question has something to do with where we find ourselves standing in line. With whom do we most identify in this parable? Are we with those who came to work at 6 o'clock and we're at the front and we've been putting it in all day long? We've been working hard, working to earn every penny. Or are we those at the back who just arrived and are just glad to be included? Maybe another way to ask the question is this. Behind the great tailgate of God's great love, Where do you stand in line? Do you find yourself identifying mostly with the early workers who showed up and put in all the work and earned every penny? Or do you find yourself identifying most with those who barely made it in and yet are so grateful to have been included? If you identify with the early workers, maybe that's our story. You know, not too long ago, I have a friend who was posting on Facebook some, uh, she was from my hometown, posting some political comments on Facebook. I know that that rarely happens. (laughs) But she's posting these political uh, comments on Facebook. And she has this kind of personality where she likes to just kind of poke the bear She likes to kind of kick the beehive, start something, and just watch it unfold, right? So in her sarcasm, keep in mind, she's being sarcastic. She posts and she says, she says this. I was at the grocery store the other day. This is her post. I was at the grocery store the other day and standing in line in front of me, this guy showed up and he bought two pounds of hamburger meat. He bought hamburger buns baked beans in a can and he bought potato salad and a watermelon and then he paid for it with food stamps and then remember being sarcastic she said does he not know that poor people can't have cookouts and she was trying to say listen let's keep some things in perspective here you know she was tired of the judgment that she had seen on facebook and she But the people reading her post didn't pick up on the sarcasm. And they jumped on board and some of them said, I know, right? 
And they added in. And one of them said, yeah, 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 I know. I was at the store the other day and this person paid for some food with some food stamps, but she pulled the card out of her, her coach purse. Well, somebody else responded to it and said, well, hang on a minute. I've got a coach purse, but I, I paid 12 bucks for it at a yard sale. You know, you don't know my life. Yeah, well, you don't know my life. <laughs> Another one chimed in and said, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I was at the grocery store and somebody paid with food stamps. And then I saw him walk out into the parking lot and get into a really nice Chrysler. And then somebody else posted and said, hey, hang on a minute. I've got a Chrysler. You don't know my life. And they said, yeah, well, you don't know my life. All right. 147 comments later, not kidding, 147 comments later, this thing is just, just oozing with what I'm going to call toxic envy. So concerned about what someone else has and what someone else is getting and what someone else has achieved that we fail to see the very thing that's in our own hands. Toxic envy is when we become so concerned over how God has cared for others that we begin to see what they have and compare what they have to what we have. And suddenly, even though what we had was just fine, even though what we have in our hands is, is everything we could possibly need, we begin to compare what we have in our hands with what, hang on, did he really earn that? Hang on, did she really? And suddenly it changes, it diminishes how we see the way that God has cared for us. You know, the ancient rabbis had an interesting way to interpret the Ten Commandments. You know what the last commandment is? Here's a pop quiz. Anybody know the very last, the, ten, the Tenth Commandment? You shall not what? Covet. Covet. Envy, right? But the ancient rabbis, you know how they used to treat that? They said, maybe the last commandment is not a commandment such as don't covet, don't envy. Maybe the last commandment is a reward for following the first nine. In other words, if you worship God and God alone, if you don't bow to graven images, if you don't take the Lord's name in vain, if you honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, if you honor your mother and father, by the way, happy Father's Day, if you don't murder and don't commit adultery and if you don't steal and if you don't bear false witness, then there will be a contentment in your life. And guess what happens then? Then you shall not covet. Hmm. Do we identify with the early workers who've put in all the time and then we have everything we need and yet we are concerned with, well, did they really earn what they, did they really deserve what? Or do we identify with the late workers, those who showed up at 6 o'clock or at 5 o'clock and, and barely worked an hour? Do we identify with those who have barely arrived and are just grateful to be included in the party? I love what uh, Ellsworth Callas says about this. He says, what if this parable is not about economics? What if this parable is not about economics and tax brackets and setting up a new arrangement for how those who earn must get this and those who don't earn must not get that? What if this has nothing to do with economics? But he says, what if this parable has something to do with something deeper and maybe it's found in a conversation that unfolds in the story itself. 
When the landowner comes back to the marketplace and it's five o'clock and he sees the worker still standing there, remember what he says? He says, why are you still here standing idle all day? And do you remember what they said? Because no one has hired us. And usually when you and I read that passage, we interpret it this way, or at least for years I interpreted it this way. Yeah, that there are some who just want handouts, those who just are idle, they just lean against the wall and they don't do the work and they expect everything to be handed them. But what if the parable is told to remind us those guys were there at 6 a.m. wanting to work and in the first century context, they were not chosen What if it's possible to recognize that there is a kind of pain in this life that is unlike any other pain? It's the pain of being unwanted. And some of us go through the nine o'clock hours of our lives and the noonday years of our lives and the three o'clock years of our lives. And somewhere along the way, we eventually get to the place where we know the pain of being unwanted not selected, rejected, thrown away. And maybe the point of the parable is this, in this new arrangement that is being set up among us, in the kingdom of God that Christ came to break forth before us, no one is unwanted. No one is unwanted. The fact is you and I have to come to grips with asking ourselves, where do we stand in the line behind the bed of the truck? Because most of us would say, well, maybe I'm here, or maybe I'm there, or maybe I'm with the noonday. But the truth of the matter is, we're all at the back of the line. Every last one of us at the back of the line. But the good news is that God's love makes it to the back of the line. Yeah. Somebody say amen. The good news is that God's love makes it to the back of the line. So, The question remains, is God's love fair? If that's for me, take a message, (laughs) y'all. I love what Barbara Brown Taylor said about this. Listen to how she put it. She said, God is not fair. For reasons we may never know, God seems to love us indiscriminately. I love that. And seems to also enjoy reversing the systems that we set up to explain why God should love some of us more than others of us. God is not fair. God is generous. And when we begrudge the generosity, that generosity, it is only because we have forgotten where we stand. Depending on where you are in line, that could sound like powerful good news. Because If God is not fair, then there's a chance that I'll get paid more than what I'm worth. (laughs) That we will get paid more than what we deserve. That we will make it through the doors, even though we are the last in line. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is. Now that's good news. Can I tell you what I think that looks like? A few years ago in Tennessee... We were living in Tennessee, and we went to dinner together, just the four of us. And we had the worst server in the world. She was awful. I'm not kidding, Dieta. She was just bad. I mean, she, she showed up to the table coughing and sneezing and wiping her nose. And I'm talking about she had one of those slurpy coughs, you know. 
And she shows up, and she's, you know, and she's just caught. She's staggering a little bit. She's dazed, really. She comes up, and she, she has to find her words. She says, hi, and she gets her notebook out to take the, the order, and she says, hey, do you want some, are you, you, you want some bread? Or you, no, can I take your, hi, my name is, you know, and she's all over the place, man. She's bad. And I said, are you okay? And she said, no, 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 I'm just, I'm sick. I've been throwing up all day. <laughs> yeah, not kidding, not making this up. Am I right? Yeah? She said, I've been throwing up all day. Can I bring you something to drink? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Maybe some penicillin, you know. <laughs> she shows up and she does the cardinal sin of all servers. Do you know what I'm saying? She hands us our beverage like this. Uh, you know, yeah. I tell the boys to back away. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. She walks away. I ask to see the, the, the manager. The manager comes over, and I explain to him. I said, look, I don't mean to be a problem, but this is, can, can we have another server? This is not working. Well, apparently, he went and fixed the problem. Because she showed up about three or four minutes later, weeping, <laughs> crying as if she didn't have enough fluids already coming out of her. And she said, I'm sorry, I'm just sorry, I'm having a bad, I just got three hours of sleep last night, I've got these two jobs that I'm working, and I can't afford to go home, I gotta have all the hours I can get. So now I feel like a big jerk, right? And I'm watching, and that's okay, it's fine, it's fine, we get, you know go on through the service or through the, the meal. Can I break into the story for just a minute? Let me back over here and tell you a different story. When we were in Richmond Seminary, I worked as a server. I worked at Cracker Barrel. Yeah, I had the brown apron. <laughs> I had the stars, right? It was great. It really wasn't great. <laughs> One night, I had an awful, awful night. I had several of those, but one of them was just really bad. And I don't know if maybe it was exam week or I had a paper due or something was going on, and I was just off my game. It was awful. And Scott, when I say awful, I mean really bad. I was forgetting everything. Drinks were going low. People were choking. They had nothing to drink. I left their food in the window, it got cold, I forgot to bring them their cornbread muffins, you know, I, I was really failing. And there's this one couple, this old couple, who came in to eat every week, same night, same meal, and I messed up their entire experience. It was terrible. At the end of their meal, their bill was not very large. It was just a tiny meal. They share most of their stuff, most of their meal anyway, tiny, tiny bill. They left me $100. Yeah, $100. I was so moved because I so did not earn a penny of that $100 tip. Now, back to Tennessee and my server with her sinus infection. <laughs> In that moment when she told me her story, it occurred to me, it's all the same story. Her story, your story, my story, 
So you know what we did, right? You know how this story ends. The, the, the bill we had was small, but I left her a big old fat obnoxious tip. I left her a hundred bucks. Yeah. And then here's the problem though. I tried to sneak out. She made eye contact with me. And I, I said, okay, I just kind of just play it low. But she went back to the kitchen and told all her server friends. And they snarled at her and they gave mean cutting eyes to me. And it was just kind of weird. The next day, not making this up, in my office, I got a phone call from the manager of the store asking me, was this a mistake? Did I really mean to leave all this? Because she said you meant to, but the other server said there's no way because she was the worst one on the floor. And I said to him, yes, I did. Because from time to time, there comes a day when we're all the worst on the floor. And God loves us anyway. Is the kingdom of God fair? Nope. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, for the grace that gives us being, for the grace that saves us from our own destruction, for the grace that recognizes we've all been the worst on the floor, we say thank you. And in this hour, even in this moment, as your worshipers respond to your love, we pray that you would infuse within some the courage to step out in faith and say yes to your ridiculously relentless love. May it come over us now in a redeeming and life-giving wave. Amen and amen.